and see if he figures it out today. Doesn't sound like it. Oh, he shanked it. Oh, look at that line, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, boy, is he out of sync. I haven't seen anybody in the water today. Oh, am I the kiss of death on that? Of course I am. Okay. I can do worse. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Chasing Par podcast. Cole and Alex, uh, this week we've got another big show covering the Farmers Insurance Open, some waste management or wasted management coverage going in, and a little bit of talk about uh, everything else going on in the golf world right now. It was a big week out there at the Farmers Insurance, and uh, we've got a lot to talk about. But first, we want to uh, introduce a friend of the pod, Connor Henriksen. From uh, the Nashville area, big time free agent these days. What's going on? How we doing, fellas? How are y'all tonight? Doing well, man. Thanks. So, uh, like I said, Connor's a, a big golf guy. I've made a, made a friendship with him here, so he'll be popping in and out of the pod pretty regularly. You'll be seeing some content coming up when uh, things start to warm up. We're super excited and happy to have you on tonight. Thanks again for coming on, man. Yeah, we finally get someone who actually knows how to play golf on the pod, so that's a huge win for us. I'm excited, and uh, we're Cole. We're going to get Cole where he's going to be dialed in too. And then, Alex, when we get down here, we'll get you dialed in, too. We all want to dial in. Let's do it. All right. So, as we always do, again, we want to thank our uh, presenting sponsor. Again, we're very happy with them. We're super proud to promote them. We've built a great relationship, and uh, we've really got some things coming down. There's been a little bit of a teaser online here lately, so check us out on Instagram. We've got some products we're about to launch. Uh, Again, that company is Honest Roots. Honest Roots creates sustainably made kitchen accessories so that you can feel good about the food you prep, cook, and serve in your home. All the wood used in their products are native, locally sourced, and locally milled for a minimal environmental impact. In fact, most of the wood comes from their very own property or neighborhood. They employ an environmentally friendly tree harvesting technique that only removes trees when necessary. They utilize many of Tennessee's native trees and use only all-natural plant-based wood finishing oils and waxes that contain coconut oil, mineral oil, vitamin E, and beeswax. Honest Roots is more than a name. It's a promise they make to their customers. It means that every item made is rooted in an honest, pure, and environmentally friendly methodology. They strive to be as resourceful as possible when designing boards to ensure that every piece of wood gets to fulfill its highlight and best purpose. Due to this method, please know that each piece will be a a one-of-a-kind and no two pieces will be exactly alike. Join Honest Roots in embracing the distinctive beauty of thoughtfully crafted kitchen boards, trays, and utensils. It's been a big week at the uh, Farmers Insurance Open here, and some would say, you know, dating back to the mid-90s, it was the return of the Mac. This was the return of the cat. Tiger Woods graced us with his presence this week at a... uh, what seems to be like a big highlighted tournament for the beginning of the year. This seems to be the one that really gets people going. Alex, what were your thoughts with uh, Tiger being back? Yeah, always good to see uh, Tiger back in action. I know we're early in the season here, but um, any tournament he's playing in turns into a spectacle. We know his love affair and affinity for Tory. Um, it's always great having him back and in contention. I thought he played some pretty good golf over the weekend. I was a little surprised um, – you know, everyone's talking Torrey Pines in San Diego down in that area. 300 such days of sunshine. The weather was a little bit crappy. Um, but still, I mean, any tournament that he's in, I'm all for. Plus, the uh, the farmer's insurance uh, commercials are always a hit. 
Yeah, whenever Tiger's playing in a little bit of colder weather, whenever it's going to be a little chilly, I, I don't expect him to play as well ever since dating back to last year with the spinal fusion. It seems like he's going to be taking an extra layer on everybody else in the field. He's going to be throwing that extra sweater on, much like myself. I'm going to try to get an extra layer on underneath, keep that back nice and loose. You know, um, I'm not quite like Tiger, but, you know, if I can compare myself in one way, I'll take it when I can. Um, but, yeah, it was just great to see him back in action. Torrey's a place where he's so familiar, obviously being from California and having so much success there. Really a place that with the distance and the, the setup of the golf course, if the weather had been a little bit better, better, excuse me, I think he would have really had a lot of success this week. The West Coast Marine layer is like a highlight for any time they're on the West Coast swing there. It's like the, that Marine layer, that Marine layer. It's a wild look too, with the with the fairways and everything being eleva- elevated up above above the uh, shoreline there. Again, Tor- I mean, we've seen Tory maybe one of the greatest tournaments ever played by uh, Tiger, the Tiger and Rocco out there. So we've seen it a ton, and it's a, a beautiful course visually. Connor, I know that you offline have said that you sometimes feel like Tory might be a little overrated. What's your what's your thoughts on that? Whoa. Well, yeah, I think that this is probably a take just about any golf course that's on the ocean if you take it off of the ocean how good is it um you know pebble isn't that great if you take it off the ocean but it's on the ocean so it's fantastic so that's why they can charge their new rate of 575 dollars before tax which is absolutely insane that's why i'm not going to try to play golf in california there's a few <laughs> places that you might want to check off the bucket list but it's absolutely insane out there so yeah but but getting back to tory if you take a look at the aerial it's a lot of straight golf holes and slight dog legs. Um, but then once you actually start watching it on TV, if you can get a little bit of the elevation change, which we lose over the broadcast just through some of the camera angles, some of the elevated cameras, then, yeah, there's, there's some interesting, intriguing holes out there on the south course, the north course. Like I was going to say, yeah, I think that what gets lost is kind of that slope change, right? It's a similar to like an Augusta. You look at Augusta on TV, it doesn't look like there's a lot of up and down. And then you get there in person for those who are lucky enough. And everyone's like, oh, the, the slope is so high. It's crazy kind of the hill that it's built on. I don't think you get to see a lot of that. But that's a fair point about Tory, right? Um, it, is, it is very vanilla in its layout. And also one question, this just rattled my brain a little bit does the east coast get a marine layer or is that just a west coast thing i think it's a west coast thing i mean we've grown up on the east coast and it was always just kind of called fog so i don't know if that's like that like it's not you know it's not a coffee it's like a a decaf whatever it's It's like you got to be fancy because it's california yeah it's a gluten version of fog i guess yeah exactly the gluten-free for those with a uh, gluten intolerance you get marine layer but I know, Alex, you were digging in deep on the stats here and found a great stat where it said that, that the field was 201 strokes over par in two rounds on the south course. They were 221 under par in one round on the north course going into Sunday uh, on the south course. This is mind-boggling that while we say that it's, it's a relatively straight course and it's, you, know, you should have familiarity with it and all that, but it still plays so tough. And again, maybe it is that we just lose the elevation change that we see. But I mean, that is a daunting stat to be 201 strokes over par. That's wild to me. Yeah, I think, you know, the weather, I'm sure, plays a factor in that. Um, but to see such like a pretty much a three shot discrepancy between the players is a little bit crazy in my eyes. And it was a good stat that I saw out there that I wanted to pull in. Um, 
just kind of an up and down weekend for sure. I, some great golf was played. Uh, it's always nice to kind of have two different courses, although I think everyone kind of prefers one over the other. Um, but yeah, just a wild swing and scores. They also have, you know, that South course, number 12, the par four that, you know, it's, they say it's the toughest par four on the PGA. The scoring average this week alone was 4.44. There's 128 bogeys and 13 doubles. So that's like 128 bogeys and 13 doubles. That's like five rounds of golf for me. So that's, I mean, I don't disrespect that, but I know, I mean, Connor, I know you did some research into that uh, number 12 there about what, you know, just what forces are playing into it. Cause it, on TV, you know, it looks, I mean, it's long, you gotta be long, but what, I mean, what else is factoring into that? Yeah, I mean, definitely most of the holes that are on the PGA Tour are geared towards a longer player. And so the longer you can hit it off the tee, the shorter the club you're going to have. But even the long hitters are going to have a long iron in their hand here. Usually the wind is coming straight into you or in off the left with the ocean being straight past the green, just off to the left. So on Sunday, they took that pin back left behind the bunker. And so if you need to make a birdie, if you're trying to, to, to gain some strokes, that's not the place to do it. You're just going to try to find the middle of the green, hope you can two-putt, maybe if you sink a big lag putt in there. But that's why we're seeing high scores. With Tory. the thing that makes the green surround so difficult is the really thick rough. But for tour players, if they don't get penalized by having the ball run out away from the green, they're just going to chop it somewhere tight. And then, you know, they're such good putters that they might not get everyone up and down. And that's where we're seeing a number 12 they're not getting it up and down very often. No, and you saw a lot of them landing in that short side there on the bunker, and and it was it was a tough chop out, and it you know definitely wreaked havoc. There's a handful of holes out there, and I mean it is. I wouldn't turn my nose up to playing it, but I mean it, like you said, it is. You look at it, it gets a little redundant when you're watching it on TV. You know, you see kind of the same things. There's not that you know you like you said you lack that elevation change, and it's really when you get to see that camera facing into the ocean that you kind of like start to see and understand just the elevation change and the beauty of it. I will say though, being a public course, I think that adds to the allure of it. You know, the the, the tour tends to play a lot of exclusive, exquisite places, which are absolutely beautiful. Um, and they do their fair share of public tracks as well, which is always nice. You know, the majors tend to mix in some of those public courses. I think it's definitely up there, but I, I wouldn't put it on par with the, the Pebble Beaches or even the Aaron Hills of the world. Um, yeah, it's a little tricky. I don't think I want to putt on those greens either. That POA looks ungodly. I've never putted on POA, but it looks ungodly. No, I'm going to stay in the south with some Bermuda and maybe I'll go <laughs> and put on some bent. But miss me with that West Coast POA. Yeah, I, I want none of that. You know what else, like, truly boggles my mind, and I, I'm sure that this has been covered by many people, and there's probably a million theories on it. What the heck happened on the uh, on the Tiger holing out and the ball disappearing in the cup for probably what felt like two seconds, and then it pops right back out? Any theories on what happened there? Yeah, weird shit happened. <laughs> um, that's about it. I don't – in a situation like that, I feel like – Tiger's going to be controlling his spin into a flag like that. So I don't think it was a situation where he had just a ton of spin and it hit the flag or it hit the cup and came back out. I just think weird shit happened. I really don't have any idea why that ball wasn't in the bottom of the cup at the end of it. Do you, what do you guys think about uh, instant replay? Right, so we have this in other sports, maybe soccer, right? The ball crosses the line, we go to VAR, we get a review. It was in, let's count it. How do we feel about that for golf? The game's slow enough as it is, right? I'm not a proponent of slowing this down anymore. 
But if it's in, it's in, you know, you're hitting into something that's plastic probably at the bottom of it or maybe metal, right? How, how do you keep a ball in that? Should it count or no? I, I'm not a rules official, but I, I feel like, like where the ball comes to rest is kind of where the ball is. And, you know, even on the putting green, like we go back to the, uh, to Shinnecock with Phil, right? Where he, he chases the ball down. It's kind of like where the ball comes to rest. And then it's, what are we going to be calling the, I mean, it's a, a great idea and it might be for, I mean, maybe some other tournament or something like that, but I just feel like Bryson's going to like, nut himself over the idea that he can slow shit down even more by saying I want to replay I don't know if it has a place in golf I don't know if it's there I actually really like it I just think it's got to be in the right scenarios I think like uh, going back to Kapalua when you're trying to find where the ball crosses the hazard line if we have proper camera angles and it's able to identify exactly where that ball crosses the hazard line I think that that's great the problem is you know we'll get to it broadcast team isn't great anyway having a bunch of cameras out there covering every inch of the golf course and can't covering every golfer so that every golfer has access to that instant replay or to that replay capability um that would just be logistically difficult and we already have the call-in system a little bit to where you can call and say hey he was a little dishonest that ball moved what have you are you a call-in guy connor you can be honest <laughs> I've never called in, and I will never call in. All right, good. No. Thank God. Not, not, even for the ne- not even for the next Patrick Reed incident? No. I think there's a long list ahead of me. If I called in, I would just get a call waiting. Exactly. <laughs> I want to complain about, I want to complain about Patrick. Hold on. You're, there's about 1,000 ahead of you. But, I mean, there's, like I said, that's an, it's a great idea and with the technology that we have going forward and everything. It's definitely a possibility. I could definitely see it in its application, but I just think, like, where that ball comes to rest is where that ball is. I mean, it's like they say, the rub of the green, right? You got the rub of the green. You get what you get, and you, you adapt and overcome. I thousand percent agree there. Yeah, I mean, it it was a great tournament, and it, like you kind of hinting off the uh, the coverage issues that we have, and we'll kind of talk about that here shortly. We won't beat it to death. We've all got an idea on it, but the the winner comes out is is Leishman, who I didn't even know was playing the first three days because they showed him never. And as I mean, I call him the big eyes out, Alex. I don't. What are you calling him these days? Yeah, I was trying to think of a better nickname for him, right? This guy's a tall bastard, and he, you know, got the Australian vibe to him. So I want to, I want to do my best Australian accent, go with the Jolly Green Giant. Oh, <laughs> I got, I got nothing better than that, though. I think that I mean the big eyes out. It's your, it's your dad's favorite golf brand. It, you can't beat it. But he, he yeah. shot a sixty-five five under on the, or he shot a sixty-five on Sunday. Absolutely torched the course. Uh, played great again you didn't know that he was playing even halfway decent coming into it but uh, he shot five under on the front two under on the back and this is uh, this is his fifth win on the PGA Tour I feel like Leishman's always kind of hanging around at the top of the leaderboard like every time you really look at it he's kind of just always right there and it's you know you, you expect him to pull the trigger and it and I mean, shit, he's there more than Ricky sometimes and Ricky I mean you know who Ricky is but Leish is always there I mean I thought he played it, played a great round, uh, was a little shaky. That's, but it kind of harkens back to that, uh, was it uh, Tiger back at Bell Reef when he hit, what, two fairways for 18 and still was, it was chasing at the top. Leishman kind of had the same thing, didn't hit many fairways, still came out on top. Yeah, I like, uh, I like looking up these guys on Wikipedia. That's uh, one of my favorite things to do with these golfers. And I found out a little bit about uh, Mr. Mark Leishman. He actually has his own beer, which makes me like him a lot more, called Leishman Lager. Um, am I the only one? This is going to be terrible. We are a bo- golf podcast, and we're obviously big fans. There's a lot of guys to root for. 
Am I the only other one that gets Leishman and Shane Lowry confused? I, I could see it. Very similar body types, very similar looks. I, I, I could see that. I, admittedly, I, Shane Lowry, I was not tracking Shane Lowry. I, and again, I thought Shane Lowry and J.B. Holmes were the same guy. I just feel like Mark Leishman, is, he's a really big guy. I see him being 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six, and Shane Lowry, you could tell me he was 5'4", and I'd believe you. <laughs> something yeah and once again I'm, I'm sure they're much different in height i just get them they they tend to have like kind of stubble or beards going um i know they're not from the same country i it just i don't know rattles me a little bit but good win for leishman like uh he, he came out played some good golf i mean after day one you had Ver, the pride of vermont up there on the leaderboard keegan bradley fired a 66 to open up and then uh, my dark horse mr ryan palmer came through on day two somehow some way fires a 62, um, which was just out of nowhere. The guy was on fire. I think he had 11 birdies and a bogey out there. Um, so there was some good golf being played all weekend, some good ups and downs. Um, but, yeah, I, Leishman was definitely scrambling. Uh, I, watching him on some of the coverage, I'm like, I don't know how this guy is doing it, but he made the putts when it counted. Exactly. And, that, I mean, like you said, it came down the tight. And that's the leaderboard was stacked. And I feel like it always is for the farmers. There's always a very solid leaderboard. Uh, admittedly, I said there's no fucking way Ryan Palmer can win this because if he wins this as your dark horse and you get the first dark horse win of the year, I'm going to be pissed because like, I have some great dark horses that I need to win. But, he again, he, miss, he misses the course record by one held by Mark Brooks in 1990. It was a 61. So misses it just right there. You know, Palmer played just very solid. Again, there's a lot of guys making runs at the top. And you just didn't see them. And that was the most disappointing part of the weekend. Like I said, you didn't see Leishman for three days. And then on Sunday, right. he's winning. I mean, what's your, what's your take on the coverage here? I know it's CBS. I know it's early. I know there's some – I know it's, it's the turnover. I can't even tell you who's calling it right now. Yeah. Um, I don't even know where to begin. Let, first of all, let's begin with when I'm watching it on Golf Channel and then it goes to CBS because this coverage gap – that I'm, I don't know what's going on. I'm sitting on my phone. I'm checking apps. I'm trying to check shot tracker, see what's going on. I don't know why in the year 2020, it's a new decade. We got all this technology and we have 15 minutes where I don't know what the hell's going on. We got to fix this. We got to get more cameras on more places in the golf course. Because like you said, for the leaderboard, it's going to fluctuate. Like that's the nature of this sport. And so I need to know when somebody new is getting on there. Shout out ZB, my guy Zach Blair. I saw one shot from a greenside tower, and it was a birdie putt. At least I saw a birdie putt. But come on, fellas, I need some more of these obscure golfers. I get enough Tiger. I do. I promise. Let me see just a little bit more. I didn't see what the guys playing with Tiger did all day unless they were walking beside Tiger. I don't hate all the Tiger coverage because, I mean, I'm admittedly a Tiger guy, but I agree. It was Palmer, J.B. Holmes. In, in and out of bunkers, they're shitting all over themselves. All right, cut away. Go somewhere else. There's other guys making a run at the leaderboard. Like you said, Zach Blair has a great impact on the game. Follow him. There's guys all over the course. I mean, it, it, there's the big story out of that. Rom Eagles 2, and nobody sees it. Not one person saw Rom Eagle 2, and he was leading the tournament at the time. Apparently, Palmer kicked somebody out. I have no idea. Would have loved to seen that. Oh, really? Yo, you didn't hear that one. I'd love to seen that. Yes, Palmer had someone ejected. And my, my good, close, personal friend, Patrick, who was being protected by uh, people that were trying to slander his name. So, 
but yes, it's just like we, and I get it. It's a different, it's a different type of coverage. It's a different brand. It's a different company, but it's like, this is what you're here to do. You're here to cover all the players in the field. Show me what's going on. I agree. The tiger, we see every shot that tiger makes, whether he's winning, losing, wherever you see every shot of it. Let's spread the wealth. Let's see the game. I mean, tiger's not going to be around forever. Let's start building players. Let's start building a fan base for these younger guys that are coming up or even the guys that have been around for a while. That's maybe the first time I've seen Ryan Palmer swing a golf club in the last five years was this past weekend. And when we're talking about building these players up, you know who's on my radar right now after this weekend is Harry Higgs. Did you guys see him on Sunday? He, 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 look, he looked like your college friend that's just hung over constantly. I think he had like a quarter zip. I don't even know if he had a golf shirt on underneath it. He might have gone, been going bare chest with the taco meat flowing. He looked so disinterested, even though he was in it. Uh, he, he looked like a train wreck. Although I'm looking him up right now, six foot two, 235 pounds. I would have told you he was about six five, 280. Um, he just looked like a menace out there. I, I'm, in, I'm all in on this guy. Like we are, he's, he's our golfer. We're getting behind Harry Higgs. Team yeah, Harry, Harry, he's thrown away the quarter zip. He's gone straight to the half zip, and he's going to show how <laughs> far it zips down. I absolutely love it. Let it ride. You have the yeah. You have the, the Mary, a lot of menacing looks, and none more menacing than the uh, the big Spaniard over there, Mister John Rom. And I felt like uh, on on Sunday, like most of the San Diego area was not safe. Um, there's a video that's been out online here of a guy losing a tournament. It was an amateur tournament and he slams his club down into the ground and then like, like baseball bat hacks at his club. And for a second, I thought, is that John Rom? Cause I could see it in his eyes. I know he was your pick this week, Alex, for the, uh, for the picks of the week. And he was there, he was messing around trying to make a run at it and just I mean, couldn't get it together. What was your take on uh, Rom this past week? Yeah. I... I, I, I love and hate John Rahm. Um, I, I like his game a lot. Obviously, long hitter with a nice little gentle fade to his ball usually. Um, I also want to see, you know, the embers burn up a little bit and him lose his shit, which is always nice. Uh, he was all over the course um, all weekend. He, he, he was putting lights out, right? He, he's obviously won there a couple of years ago. Um, he kept it together, I would say, for the most part. Um, and made a little run on 18 Sunday to kind of make things interesting, kind of put himself in the same spot he was two years ago where he drained that long snake of a putt. Um, but a pretty good showing by Ram. I was, I was impressed by his play, and the, the guy's tops in the world right now. He's playing great golf. Yeah, he. I mean, John Ram. whenever he's going to be playing on the West Coast, I'm going to probably think that he's going to get a top 10. It just seems like he plays really well out there. I don't know if it's just all the time that he spent going to Arizona State and then playing – a lot with Tim and Phil Mickelson. Um, Phil showing maybe a few key secrets. But um, if he had won this going into Sunday, I had already decided I was going to call him for a major this year. I was ready for it. I was really? really ready. And I was so disappointed. And then he started coming back. And I was like, wow, maybe this is the major that I needed to see. Maybe this is what it takes, the comeback. He's got all this confidence. So – to see that he didn't look at the scoreboard coming off 17. He thought he needed to make birdie on 18, so he's just trying to lag it down there to where he's going to make two putt, get to the playoff. It makes me question how he's going to view leaderboards in the future. It makes me question how he's going to close tournaments in the future, and it doesn't make me think that he won't. It just makes me wonder. 
So you're so he's not winning a major this year in your eyes? Not yet. No, he's not ready. All right. I did like. I will say this: John Rahm, obviously skittish guy. I found it weirdly enjoyable and relaxing to watch him just eating like some sort of trail mix on 17 and 18. Just like there was a long wait there. He was up ahead in the fairway. He's just kind of munching on. It looked like a trail mix. I just, uh, it was soothing to see. Yeah, shout out the coverage for showing you that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Transitioning though, a golfer goes out and he gets, he finds that he's playing with Tiger on Saturday and he sends a tweet out that says, I'm playing with Tiger on Saturday. Is this a joke? Kind of sets the tone for Sunday. Tom Hogue. I mean, if you're in your car scratching your head going, who is Tom Hogue? You're with a lot of us, man. He's kind of a journeyman golfer, been around for quite some time. I think he's 31. He's been on the tour a little bit, made, you know, messed around the corn ferry and all that. Uh, gets to play with Tiger on Sunday. Let's put you in that, in that position, Alex. You walk up to the first tee and you're playing with Tiger Woods. What do you say or do you say anything at all? Yeah, that's a great question. I would like to say that I'd have my wits about me and I'd just go up and say, hey, Tiger, what are you hitting on one? Just try to get in his head, try to rattle him, see if he laughs. Uh, He probably just wouldn't even acknowledge me or respond, but I think I try to keep it pretty light with him. It's early in the season. Um, It's his first tournament. You know, I I think he's probably – Definitely focused and doesn't want to hear my shit, but I think I, maybe I nervously just spit that out. Why? What, what do you guys think? What's your, what, what, what kind of line are you dropping on him, or are you just afraid? So am I in Tom Hoagie's position, or am I just playing with Tiger? Or am I playing with Tiger on Sunday in the red at yes. Torrey Pines where yes. he beat Yes, Rocco. yes, you're in the red. Yes, it's Sunday, yeah. Torrey Pines. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm probably going to say, do you know where the laundry room is? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It, Connor, like, let's go get him. I don't know. I was just worried about finding the face. I'm going to take the biggest face I can find. I'm going to get a driver, blow it up. It's not going to fit the RNA, USGA. I just need to find the face. That's all. It's funny to, to hear all these prof- – I mean, they're professionals. And, again, Tom Hoagie is not a household name, but he's a professional. And to see these guys, how they react to these big-time players, the Tigers, the Phils – the impact that they have, and admit, I'd probably just keep my head down and be like, he doesn't see me. He doesn't even see me. Don't even – like I w- – but again, really? it's that whole – oh, yeah. And, but again, I'd probably do, like I said, alerting, alluding back to last week's episode, I'd be like, hey, Tiger, you mind turning around for 10 minutes, like a couple seconds while <laughs> I hit this ball? So I would be – like you said, I'd be so nervous just to be around him. And you know he's – it is it is Tiger Sunday Red locked in. He's in – he's he was there. He was in contention. What do you say to the guy? Like, hey, I was just—I'm just thinking too. If I'm this Tom Hoagie guy who Tiger has probably heard of, doesn't know him much, I think I walk up, look him right in the eye, shake his hand, and say, "I bet you didn't expect me out here." Something, <laughs> something to just try to get a, get a good laugh out of him and yeah, just, but, just see what happens. Can you even challenge Tiger? That's the thing. Like, the guy is so mentally tough. Like, oh, yeah. what's it going to take to break him? Like, hey man, just had like a big time Perkins breakfast this morning, something like that. Like what's going to rattle the man. But I'm sure these guys get a little chit chat going. I mean, not tiger, right? I get it. And it's Sunday. He's overly focused, but there's gotta be a little, he must utter a few things during around. Thank God the coverage doesn't get close enough for us to hear what he says. Do we know what Hoagie shot on Sunday? I want to say he shot a 68 
I believe it was. He had the best score of the group, kind of like McCumber also got the better of Tiger on Saturday. So, Yeah, I think it's interesting how these young guys, like you said, they, they are looking at the Phils and the Tigers. Like Akshay Batia, I think he was an alternate for this event. On Thursday, he actually followed Tiger around. He was posting from inside the ropes, following him on Instagram. And, uh, yeah, it's crazy that I think they're actually making them better. They're exciting these young players, and they're stepping up to the task at hand and, and playing well with these big names. Yeah, Hoke, Hoke shot 68, four under, which pretty damn good. Damn good. So we would be remiss as, as not only golf fans, but as sport, sports fans to not talk about the impact of the uh, tragic accident that happened over this past weekend that was, you know, the coverage spent a lot of time on as well. Uh, the, the sports world, the entire world lost Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gianna this past weekend uh, in a tragic accident. You know, it's a terrible, terrible situation, and it, it had a impact, noticeable impact on the crowds and on the broadcast as well. What was your take on the way that they handled this situation uh, with the Kobe accident? I, I'll be honest with you, I did not love it. I, I saw Tiger wrap up his round. He was walking off and got grabbed by Amanda Balionis, and immediately she's questioning about Kobe, and he, he made some sort of comment that Joey had told him right as he walked off. Now, I know, obviously, this is a very important figure, some of the Tiger knew, some of the any sports fan knew, but I think we just need to give people a little bit of time to digest these things so that we can kind of get some more clear thoughts out of them. You're putting Tiger in a really bad spot, kind of an awkward spot, I think. Um, I don't know why we need like a rapid reaction. Like let the guy go sign his card. Let Joe obviously told him when he came off, he made a comment about people yelling about uh, Mamba on the course. Yeah, the part that killed me on that was that the broadcast went silent and the camera followed Tiger and Joey trying to pick up on the conversation, which you heard say, Hey, I've got something to tell you. Kobe Bryant died. He was involved in an accident and Tiger's response is, excuse me. Why? Even though he's a professional athlete, he should be able to have those private moments. That's a friend of his. It's kind of a bad look on the, on the broadcast. What's your take on this, Connor? Um, honestly, I was just, I was in a state of shock. Um, I'm a little bit younger than you guys. I was born in 96. Um, I don't remember watching Jordan play growing up. It was just Kobe until it was LeBron. Um, I was at work and I was driving around the golf course, making sure everything was okay. And I came back in the clubhouse and got the notification on my phone. And, and uh, I was trying to stay tuned into the coverage, but you know, you lose, you start looking at Twitter and trying to, is this even really real? And yeah, I didn't, from a coverage take, like I didn't love that they followed Tiger from a, I wanted to hear Tiger what like selfishly. I love that moment. Like I, I wanted that moment because I felt the same way. And so um, some of the stuff that Nick Faldo said um, wasn't very good. I tend to watch the coverage with the volume pretty low anyway, um, but I turned it up just because I wanted to, I wanted to know if Tiger knew. I wanted to know how things were going. You know, this was one of John Rahm's idols as well. Um, I'd be very interested to know at what point he found out. Um, it was. I'm not going to blame CBS at all because this was just this was tough, and those guys aren't handled to or equipped to handle a situation like this. I don't think any of us are, even the CBS guys, as good as they are. It's just a tough situation. 
It wasn't. It, it's a inner. It's again. It's like how are you going to react in that moment? You're not expecting it, especially the gravity of that moment with it being like you said. It's Kobe Bryant. It's one of the top. I mean, he's on the, he's on the you know the five faces of the, of the greatest basketball players of all time. He's up there. It's just like you said. You want to give those guys that. Per, I my opinion is give those guys that personal personal moment. I mean, it's every guy came off the course and they're saying, well, what do you, what do you know about this? How do you feel about it? Well, I, they're not thinking that way. So you're getting a rash, quick reaction. And that's what that's the world we live in nowadays, where it's this quick hit, and I want it now, and I'm going to get it, and I want a reaction. But it's it, they're still human beings. Tiger's still a human being. Yes, he's a machine on the golf course, but the second he stepped off it, I like to think that there's still a human being under there. Finau had things to say about it, a big basketball guy. Everybody had something to say about it. Kobe being the athlete and the the you know shepherd for the sport of basketball and the sporting world. The I mean, competitor and the work ethic. Exactly, he speaks to everybody across all sports. And it's, you've got to, I feel like you need to give allow or allow people to have a moment to themselves to process this. I think Balionis did a great job with the questions, the way she framed them and kind of left them open-ended for him to explain himself. But it's not, I mean, again, Kobe and Tiger have a relationship. Let them, let Tiger process it. He's not even processing it. His first words out of his mouth weren't, get out of here. You're lying. It was, excuse me? Like, no, no fucking way. You've got to, you've got to respect that moment. But again, the world lost a great one, one of the greats. And, it, you know, it's a terrible tragedy. He lost his daughter and, you know, a wife lost her husband and a daughter, sister, you know, everything. It's a terrible, terrible situation. And like they, you know, like we've heard a lot, it's, it's that mama mentality, get back to work, keep pushing. If you're out on the golf course and you got a punch shot through some trees, you better be yelling Kobe. I want to <laughs> see it. If you got a 40-foot putt and it goes in to go one up on your buddy and you don't, Tap your chest and yell, Kobe, you are a real sports fan. Tag, tag us in your post. Let's get this going. Let's build this Kobe thing. Let's keep it alive. And that's what they say, man. Don't stop doing that stuff. Keep it going. So, again, our condolences to the Bryant's, the Bryant family and everybody affected by the crash, all, all the nine victims and everything like that. It's just a terrible, terrible story. And it's something, you know, it, it should hit home for all of us. So, I mean, it's going to be – this is a tough transition to get out of a topic like that, but we will go over our picks here. I know, Alex, like I said, you had uh, Rom and Palmer, two guys that were messing around at the top of the leaderboard. Admittedly, I was shaking. I was nervous that I was going to already lose. Like, you were going to – if Palmer won, I was it was over. I was not going to pick anymore. Well played. Uh, yeah, just picking a name out of a hat and didn't know anything about Ryan Palmer. He was up there, man. He was definitely up there. Rom, obviously, was a favorite coming in. Cole had uh, Tiger and Matthew Wolf, so – Ron finished second, Palmer and Wolf tied for 21st uh, with a bunch of others. Tiger came in ninth. So through, through two picked events, I know there's been more events so far, we're going off of kind of uh, where you finish. So we're actually both tied at 58, which is funny enough. But we'll have some more picks coming up this week. At the Waste Management, I think let's transition right over there. Uh, this tournament is something else. TPC Scottsdale, we all know about the party that's going on. Uh, bachelor party heaven there's the drunkest of the drunks um what, what what comes to mind when you guys think about the wasted management i think about shotgunning beers like automatically i think that there's probably just spray coming all out of the grandstands i think i think of uh somebody going down one of the players throwing hats into the stands and getting thrown a beer back i think it's just once you enter 16 i mean all i think about is 16 like the 18 it's like a really interesting golf hole when the tournament comes down to it, but it's all about 16, right? It's all about just getting wild, having fun and screaming loud when you're not usually allowed to. 
I think that the the wasted management is one of the greatest things for the game of golf and should be, you know, we should do more of these type of events where it's that relaxed environment, like you said, where you're cheering for the players. I mean, there's that video that's floating around right now of Ricky pumping the crowd up saying not loud enough, like, and then sticking a shot. Like we need more of this. The players I think would thrive on it. It doesn't have to be every weekend, but you know, two or three of these type events over the, over the course of the year go into, you know, different stuff, different courses, ones that aren't major big name, you know, stuffy ones make bring the bring that atmosphere there you alluded to the 16th hole like when you close your eyes and think waste management you're thinking of the coliseum which might be one of the greatest par threes in all of golf just for the atmosphere that it creates uh you go back to that it was was it 97 tiger holes out for a hole in one take a look at that video and look at the upgrades that have happened there were no grandstands back behind that green it's a completely different scene and they were packing people in back then it is wild the noise that gets generated on that it is it's this old grainy video that's up on youtube 1997 a young tiger woods he dunks one the roar when he hits it is like it's insane that that it's captured so well um this this hole is something else like it i was reading uh over the weekend i think it holds like 20 or thirty thousand people Right with all the grandstands they've got built up around it. I mean, I'm I, I've heard stories of people out there, which it's it's similar to kind of like a 16 at Augusta, right? People set up shop there. They're gambling on every shot. Is this guy going to hit the green? Is this guy going to make the putts? I love the the chirping, the yelling. I love the players when they're walking down. They make that like kind of beeline over through like the desert part up against the stands, and they're handing out gloves, hats. It is a, it's a great atmosphere. I think the tour needs more of this. I'm not saying every week we need it, but add a couple more rowdy, rowdy stops like this to kind of get the everyday fans into it, get the excitement going. Um, I, I love everything about this. The, the early reports out of, out of uh, Phoenix, though, are that our friend, our leader, our captain, Patrick Reed, will not be playing this year's uh, waste management. I think that's a good decision for him. I don't know if he's ready to handle the uh, – chirps that would be coming his way all the uh, aggression yeah i'm sure a bunch of people must be returning their tickets left and right because they're so upset about this did you guys see the video of patrick reed over in saudi arabia no what did he Cringe, do now? cringeworthy no. but it, what did he do now yes so if you haven't seen the video go look it up i think that the european tour put it out he goes and he, he walks in i don't know if it's a school but all these kids are outside in these bleachers and they're so excited they're chanting patrick reed patrick reed patrick reed he gives them all team reed t-shirts gives them a little inspirational motivational speech um you know there is a lot of sand over there in saudi arabia so i'm sure he had lots of lessons that he was able to teach those kids grow the game hashtag grow the game that's what we're there to do so he will not be playing, but I'm very excited for this event. I think it's, a, it's got a great party atmosphere. It, it should lead you nicely into the Super Bowl this weekend. You should have that good four days of golf there, and then you got the uh, Super Bowl, which admittedly, I think all three of us are kind of just over who's going to win that. It's where all our teams are out. But if you had to pick one, Alex, who you like in the Super Bowl this weekend? I'm going to go with uh, the Chiefs. I I know. I, I feel like everyone's on the 49ers right now and people are going to say, oh, you're bitter because of Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm not bitter. I don't care who wins. I, I'd, I hope it ends in a tie somehow. Um, but I'm going to ride with the Chiefs. I think um, Andy Reid, his coaching style, I think he's due, due for it. I think uh, their speed is going to be deadly for the 49ers defense. But uh, both phenomenal teams. Connor, who you got? 
and yeah, you don't say the um, Titans. <laughs> big Titans guy. Big, big Titans guy. Um, still a little sad. It's okay. Um, great season. The Chiefs, I think, have too much speed on offense. Like, I don't think that there's a defense in the league that can match up with them. They just have too many weapons. Um, Patrick Mahomes is too good at getting the ball to those weapons. It doesn't matter how good the 49ers are. The Chiefs are just better. I'm going to go out on the opposition here and say when you spend time out in the barnyard with the goat, you are destined for greatness. <laughs> My friend, Aladdin, James Garoppolo, is going to win this game. You have the Shermanator out there. They got that. This is this is going to beauty. This is going. I don't know the running back's name, but I know he went off last week. That's why oh. they're going to win this game. Raheem the Dream. Yes, that's why they win the game because you don't even know who they are. They have to win. I cannot let the Chiefs. I, it can't happen. I do not want to see the Kelseys. Each one of them have a ring. I cannot handle it. It's funny you just said no one knows who they are. Remember, remember when um, New England kind of started that trend of like, we'll come out as a team to be more of a team? I actually think the 49ers have to come out as a team because individual intros just wouldn't fly because no one will know anyone besides Jimmy Garoppolo. It might not be Kittle. bad. It might not be – yeah, Kittle. You got, yeah, George Kittle, who is a animal. But it might be good to have him and be like, oh, that's that guy's name. And even people still call him Greg Kittle. So, it's – again, I got the 49ers. You guys got the Chiefs. I think it's going to be a good one. Again, ever since the, our Patriots lost, you know, many, many moons ago. But we're moving forward. So, now let's go on to the thing that we're all here for. Let's get our, uh, let's get our picks in for this week. The Waste Management Open. Alex, who do you got? Yeah, so we'll continue this trend of kind of picking the top, I don't know, it doesn't have to be a top 10 guy, but a guy up in the top 20, 25, and then we'll also pick more of a, a kind of a dark horse. Um, picks for this weekend. I'm going to go with Pretty Tone, Utah Tony, the Stormin' Mormon. That's my new thing. I call him the Stormin' Mormon. have no idea if he's Mormon, but I just assume. I don't think he actually is. I'm going to call him the Stormin' Mormon, Tony Finau. I like the way that he's playing um, I think this sets up well for him to come out and dominate. I'm sick of everyone picking Ricky Fowler every year. So let's go with Pretty Town. And then for my wild card, I'm going to take Zach Johnson the, for no reason other than uh, he's just a cool guy and uh, Masters champion. Um, Connor, enlighten us with who you're feeling. Yeah, I'm going to, you know, I don't know if it's a little cheap or what, but just because of the Arizona connection, you know, um, because he's playing well, because he made a strong comeback on Sunday, I think Johnny Rom's in a good place. I think he's in a really good place. Maybe looking for a little redemption. Like I mentioned earlier, Kobe was his favorite athlete. I haven't seen any tributes out of him, so maybe he's just not going to throw any tributes out there and he's just going to throw a dub out there. And then for somebody who's, you know, maybe a little more under the radar, you know, it's really hard when you're looking at the bottom of the leaderboard or the bottom of the field and you're trying to just basically pick names. You're trying to pick somebody who may be playing well, who may just, you know, stick out in your mind. And for that reason, the hot putter from last year, maybe, maybe not, Keith Mitchell. Let's go. Killer, I was killer on the, Keith. I was on the Keith Mitchell uh, train for the opening tournament of the season. That, uh, for one not, week, yes, for one week. Yeah, I think, I think he went to chat. Chat Town, UTC. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, we'll, we'll go with Keith Mitchell. Hopefully he can get the rock rolling and just not add up a bunch of extra strokes out there. Yeah, that's, that's fair enough. Cole, who are you liking? I'm going to go with uh, Hideki Matsuyama. I think he's just due to win. Honestly, I think he's a great ball striker. He's got the game. Uh, he 
gave Tiger a big challenge out there at the Zozo. So I think he's just due for it. And then I'm going with uh, Big Brain Bucket Hat Nation, Joel Dahman as kind of my dark horse pick there. No reason other than it's Phoenix, and I figure he's probably going to be wearing a sweet bucket hat, and I can get behind that. So uh, let's go, Joel. Prove something. Let me get that first dark horse win. Also, if I remember correctly, Joel Dahman was around. He was at the top of the leaderboard in a couple of tournaments back there uh, last year, summertime, right? Yeah, he's definitely not getting sunburned, so he should be in the running. Yeah, I, I, anybody that's big fan of the uh, SPF 50s, they're good by me. So Yeah, bucket hat nation. Keep it going, Joel. Exactly. So we've got one big other event that's kind of a big, uh, big kind of talking point here. And it's kind of one of those things, like if you're not in the know, you're not in the know. And if you don't care, you truly don't care. But there's the event going on over in Saudi Arabia this weekend with a bunch of PGA Tour players that uh, signed on to go over there. Connor, what's your thoughts on this Saudi Arabia situation? I think that is a great way to describe it is the situation um, for these guys who are just going out there to cash a check for Phil, who's going to see a new place for the first time, just miss me with that load. Like that is the <laughs> biggest chunk of BS. I'm too smart to feed me that. I don't want to hear it. You're getting paid millions of dollars to go play. I don't understand it. I think that, um, with all the media scrutiny that they faced for scrutinizing the media by actually, you know, killing their media members. Like, you can't go over there and be part of a broadcast sponsored by the kingdom. Um, you know, I think that this is just an absolutely awful look. Um, I, I really don't even think the European tour should be there. I think it's a money grab from everybody involved, and I'm, I'm not a fan at all. Alex, what about you there? Yeah, it's definitely a paycheck grab. Um, you know, I'm all for trying to grow the game, but do it the right way. And I, I, I don't think this is the spot to be doing it. Um, and I, I don't like the approach either. Um, so, yeah, th this is a money grab for these guys. I'm not into it one bit. Fun story. I've, uh, I've been to the Middle East on a similar money grab trip. Just uh, I had to wear heavy equipment and carry a weapon with me. <laughs> all joking aside. <laughs> personally don't like I, again it's like it's maybe not the best look but like gmfb man like get your money man if that's how you got to do it go do it is it the best look no but like do you think phil cares what his look is right now I, it's uh, kind of a, it, again it's i don't know if i'm for it or against it honestly I, I i might not be the right take i might get hammered for that but i just don't think i care like it is what it is these guys are not denying it either i mean it's sort of like what did they say like brooks wants to go see the red sea like Bro, go on Google Earth. Go on, look up some pictures. You don't need to go there. Just say you're there for the money. If they would just be transparent and say we're there for the money, I'm all, I'm all on board. Like, okay, do you, man. Get your money. Well, what about Sergio going back and not taking money? What do you think about that? Well, he didn't get booted from uh, – he got booted from the tournament last year, right? So he needs redemption. There's, yeah, I think he's there's – going back to try to fix up his image, but – in a place trying to fix that bunker that's what i was gonna say he's trying to i think the 13th green didn't get dinged and that bunker needs uh some fixing so yeah i just i think that when whenever you're going to a place that has a really difficult political climate and it's not just saudi arabia it's it's you know i mean pga tour china any any time that you're going to a place with a difficult political climate um with the what is it the sunshine tour that they play in africa or whatever yes um, yep whenever you're going to places like that, it's really difficult to separate what these athletes are trying to do for themselves and their personal careers and the money that gets put into these communities and gets redirected into um, 
the actual events that are going on. And when this event is actually being put on by the government and by the kingdom, you know, it's, it's a really tough pill for me to swallow. I just look at things with a little bit bigger picture. So that's where I'm at. Very good. We'll definitely keep an eye on that here going forward. Uh, as we get to the back end of the show here, we've got Connor, who is a uh, – he's vast knowledge. He's a, he was a teaching pro at, at a course around that, the Nashville area. Connor, I got a question that got sent in on Instagram. Guys looking to get into the game of golf. Where does he get started? On the putting green. Okay. That's the best part. If, you, if any of the golfers listening count their strokes per round and then they split it up between putts and full-length shots or even chips, you're going to have probably half putts. So, you know, if you can become a deadly putter, there's nothing that's going to piss your buddies off. Like you taking five shots to get to the green and then one putting from 40 feet to somehow tie the hole because your handicap is so high. You know, if you can putt the lights out, you're going to be able to make up a lot of other ground. So what I would recommend is I've actually been working with a guy who's just picking up the game. We putted for three months. All we've done is putting, and then we worked on chipping. Chipped and putted for three months, and then we started working the half swings, then three-quarter swings, and then a full swing. So that would be my recommendation. So work from, the, from not tee to green. We're going green to tee. Absolutely. We're working backwards. All right, so that's, I think that's a great piece of uh, advice there, and we're definitely going to be hitting up Connor here going forward. So if you have questions, anything really, course management, tactics and strategy, equipment, anything you can think of, hit us up. Hit Connor up. He's on Instagram. Hit him up, and we'll get these uh, recorded here on the pod. But uh, I think that's a great piece of advice. Yeah, there was one, uh, one question I, uh, one of our listeners has actually sent in. What's your take on hot dogs at the turn, and how does that positively or negatively impact your game? Um, so for me, uh, I have Lyme disease. Me and Jimmy Walker share that common. So I can't have pork or beef. But growing up, hot dogs were the breakfast, lunch, and dinner champions. Um, you get to the golf course at, you know, 7.30, hit some balls, go play nine. You're coming in at the turn, you grab one. You grab one at the next turn before you tee off. Um, I played a lot at Kenny Perry's growing up, and, man, I – I probably ate their entire hot dog stock just about every week. There's actually, uh, and the listener who sent that in had actually two follow-on questions. So um, I, I know the Lyme disease thing going on, but when you were a hot dog guy, uh, steamed bun or not steamed bun is the first question. Um, I mean, you guys are from the North. Like I was happy to have a not stale bun. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what kind <laughs> of you're playing it. But I just want a bun that doesn't have mold and like is soft when I bite into it. Fair enough. And then uh, the the obviously the last question, uh, condiments. What are you what are you kind of riding with? What would you recommend? You've got you know typically you're getting this at the turn. You're a little bit parched. Your mouth might be dry. What are you kind of slathering on there, if anything, to keep your game going? Yeah, ketchup and mustard, a little extra mustard than ketchup because um, I want that little bit of spice. I don't want too much of that, you know, just uh, just blandness. I'm trying to get going for this back nine. Let's get it popping. I can confirm this is an actual question. At the, the post was like, what is your golf strategy and tactics? And we got questions. I think another one was like a light beer or just a regular full beer. Oh, light beer, 100%. Okay. If you're drinking a full beer on a golf course, you're only going to get one or two down. But, you know, some places you can get a light beer, you know, very cost effectively, and you might be able to pound more than one or two. That's all you're looking for. This is a segment that we want to continue with Connor here is asking these 
I mean, the, we floated the idea maybe wingtips going around here, big wingtip guy. Yeah, big wingtip guy for sure. So we can throw this wingtips out here. If you've got uh, questions, you know, hit us up, slide in the DMs, let us know what's going on. We'll definitely something keep this. From when, something from when Cole and I played together, just so that he noticed and, you know, you guys can take into your own game. I don't use a tee when I'm on par threes because whenever I'm practicing on the driving range, I don't practice teeing up irons. I always hit them just off the grass. And so the tour players are super dialed in. They understand what the, you know, I don't know, all the science behind lifting the ball up just a little bit. And Phil's going to go into a full explanation on how the air density affects how far it flies. We're just trying to find the center of the face and the center of the green. So put it down on the grass like you always hit it because you're trying to compress the ball into the ground and putting it up on a tee isn't going to help you any. You never practice that. This is something that I am going to start adapting into my own game here. And I, when he brought the point up when we were playing, I said, you know what? I don't ever tee up an iron shot. So why am I doing it on a shot that's already pressure packed? There's usually some major hazard surrounding it. Why am I not just hitting it off the deck like I do every other time I hit an iron? So Yeah, you're already able to give yourself a little preferred lie. So go exactly. ahead and do that. Fluff it up. Give it what you want. That's a great point. So, again, going back to it, if you're looking to get into the game, uh, I believe that was the the real ACB at the real ACB. Hit us up with that one. If you're looking to get in the game, get you a putter, get you some balls, and just find a putting green and start working back from there. Then pick you up a wedge, start chipping. You know, but like he said, you're shaving strokes, significant amounts of strokes, just by being able to putt. I, Alex, I think you would agree. Like we are the king of the three putt. If we could limit the three putts, we'd be in a much better place in our game. Yeah, everyone says drive for show putt for dough we have no dough and we have no show so let's figure out how to putt first exactly if you get the speed right you're not going to get those three putts it's really hard to three putt if you have the right speed all the time well Amen. that's that kind of sums up this this week's podcast we really appreciate you guys rolling with us connor thank you for coming on we will definitely be uh, bringing you on again it's been a real a whole lot of fun here and i think you're going to be a great asset to the uh the podcast here thanks again man yeah, thanks, it's been an Connor. absolute pleasure, guys. It's good to talk with you, and uh, I look forward to the next time. For sure, for sure. Again, everybody, check us out on Instagram at Chasing Par Podcast, Twitter, Chasing Par Pod. You can hit us up on email at our Chasing Par Podcast at gmail.com. Again, we want the banner, we want the interaction. Let us know what you want to hear from us. Let us know what you want to see. Things are starting to warm up. Fingers crossed, start getting some content out there. Let us know. We appreciate you guys rolling with us. It's been a blast. We'll see you next week. Keep chasing. Don't you let them tell you want to bet your eyes. You're the only one's going to sacrifice. Make no difference if you're right or wrong. Or take that route. What I want you to do is to by your side. Maybe a little, little, we can all collide. Do I love them like a rolling stone? Time on me is wasted time. Time on me is wasted time. Time on me is wasted time. Time on me is wasted time.